Here's Bass. We talked to Sean McDermott after his one for three performance last week. He said he has tremendous support in the building. If he has to make one for us, the game on the line, he will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. Yep. Yeah. Wide right. Bass wide right. The story of NFL divisional round. And we will get to it all. On the We Know Ball podcast. Welcome one. Welcome all to the We Know Ball podcast. My name is Ryan. This is episode 81. 81 of the We Know Ball podcast. Lots to cover. Lots to talk about. With the NFL divisional round wrapping up and the Kansas City Chiefs taking down the Bills in the final game of the NFL divisional round. Plenty of storylines to talk about in that game. Plenty of storylines to talk about in the other three games of the NFL wildcard weekend. Lots to discuss. We got playoff seating set up. Matchup storylines. It's all there. It's all right in front of us. And it's leading up to a very exciting conference championship weekend next weekend. But for now, we've got divisional round action to talk about in the NFL. At Ryan Knows Ball. That's my handle on Twitter. At We Know Ball Sports, Instagram, and TikTok. Be sure to go check us out on those platforms. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't checked us out on YouTube, we've got all the clips. If you missed anything from the show, you wanted to get a little bit more insight to the clips themselves, the talking points, if you will, right? Because we talk about it. And then you can kind of tell on YouTube my reaction, my facial expressions, how much things are actually made. You get the point. Also have some other stuff on YouTube. So go check it out. Some reactionary videos. Testing of some sports knowledge, quizzing, things like that. So check us out on social media. Episode 81, We Know Ball podcast. You heard the clip there at the beginning of the episode. Tyler Bass missing to the right, giving the Chiefs ultimately the victory. And we will discuss all of that game at length towards the back end of this episode. So be sure to stay tuned for that. 
before we get into that, before we get into that game, there were three games, three other games in the NFL divisional round that took place over the course of Saturday and Sunday. We're going to talk about all of it. Really interesting outcomes in the later games of each day, Saturday and Sunday. Divisional round matchups included games between the Ravens and the Texans. First game on Saturday, the 20th of January. Later that day, 49ers played the Packers. And then Sunday, January 21st, Lions played the Bucks, And as you heard, Chiefs played the Bills. First game of the weekend. Number one AFC seed, Baltimore Ravens hosting the Houston Texans. Ravens beat the Texans 34 to 10. Prime example, prime situation. Inexperienced quarterback on the road. Tough, hostile environment. I don't want to say unprepared because I, I wouldn't call CJ Stroud an unprepared quarterback. I think the term unprepared falls on the entire team. And that's, again, no disrespect to D'Amico Ryans, no disrespect to anybody on the coaching staff of the Houston Texans. Because unprepared also potentially falls into the category of overmatched. And what I mean by that is, it was very apparent very early on the Baltimore Ravens on defense were going to bring different complex blitz packages and looks for the Texans to deal with on offense because they knew CJ Stroud in the pocket with a little bit of time to examine the field and even having some receivers covered up down the field, comfortable pocket for CJ Stroud. He's going to make things happen. He's going to find guys down the field. He has that ability at the quarterback position to put balls in catchable spaces. He has some offensive weapons down the field. The Texans run pretty complicated route schemes. A lot of times takes a little bit of time to develop, takes some time for those guys to get down the field. So the Ravens, the Ravens knew all this and it's not just CJ Stroud. It's typically the case for most quarterbacks in the NFL. And that is if you put guys in front of them, you bring pressure complicated blitz packages you show a blitz from the left side you show two guys on the line of scrimmage and then they come from the right confuses the offensive line confuses the running backs confuses whoever's in charge to pick up those extra attackers those extra pass rushers so it was confusing for the texans and in all honesty they scored 10 points in this game their only touchdown came on a punt return the houston texans really didn't have much going for them offensively for most of the game. And on the flip side, you know, Baltimore, seven points in the second quarter, three points in the first quarter, 10 points in the first half. They're tied at 10 with the Texans going into halftime. Everyone's thinking, oh my gosh, like the Texans are hanging in. The Texans could potentially win this game. 
Baltimore, what are you doing? You're choking. You're the one seed. You're at home. Classic case of Baltimore didn't play for two weeks. That's the only reason that game was tied 10-10 at half. That's the only reason. If you didn't watch the game, 10-10, you'd think, wow, evenly matched, tie game, halftime, Texans are hanging tough, Ravens can't get anything going. Not entirely the case. The score didn't tell the story of the first half. And all it took for the Baltimore Ravens was two quarters to knock the dust off after not playing for two weeks, and they turned it on. Not to mention, by the way, Houston Texans apparently did not know that Lamar Jackson can run. Because how about 11 carries for 100 yards and two rushing touchdowns for Lamar Jackson? I don't know if the Texans didn't think he was going to run or they didn't expect him to run. But playing man coverage, deep route concepts down the field with nobody spying Lamar Jackson rushing for it's over with at that point. It's done. Lamar Jackson's going to literally turn into a track meet in an NFL game. Four combined touchdowns for Lamar Jackson against the Texans. Lamar Jackson is an incredible quarterback. He's a great athlete. Not taking anything away from him, but it was a classic example. The Texans and Ravens can be summarized. Classic example, young, inexperienced quarterback, inexperienced head coach, inexperienced play callers. Game plan was not in place to allow for success from the Houston Texans side. And on the other side, Ravens had some rust. Two weeks went by where they didn't play a football game. And now you go into the half 10-10 thinking, oh my gosh, the Ravens are going to choke. The Texans are right in this game. Absolutely not the case. Score did not tell the story. Two different halves, two completely different games. First half, second half. Texans came back out, and they were doing the exact same thing they were doing in the first half. Ravens just stepped up the pressure a little bit. Zero points from Houston, third and fourth quarter. Ravens go down, score 24 points in the second half. That's because Lamar Jackson knocked the dust off. Ravens offensive line knocked a little bit of the dust off, and they got right back into the rhythm that they've been in for most of the season, which is Lamar runs, Lamar finds guys open down the field. Offensive play calling is excellent, utilizing all the skills at Lamar's disposal. Protection's really good on the offensive line, and the defense doesn't give up any points. And second half score was 24 to 0. Ravens dominate the Texans. That was a pure domination, like the definition of it. And that's exactly how it should go for a team like the Ravens against a team like the Texans. Great season for CJ Stroud. Great season for the Houston Texans. Exceeded all expectations. Anything anybody thought, including myself, about the Houston Texans. 500 was a pipe dream for the Houston Texans. 8-9, and nine, hard to get to based on what we had seen from that franchise in that organization with a rookie quarterback and a first-year head coach eight and nine was like that's a eight and nine's a monster season for that team it, huge and they won the afc south 
I mean, talk about, first of all, ultimate choke job from the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Colts, in my opinion, did not have any business even flirting with the postseason at, at, at certain points this season. Yeah, it came down to the final game, and yes, the Texans beat them. It's not... The, the Colts didn't scare me. And then the other team in the AFC South... Who am I missing? Why am I bad about this? Titans. Titans were a joke, right? I mean, they they were starting uh, Ryan Tannehill for a bunch of games, like, obviously. So the point is, Texans had a great year, exceeded expectations. Absolutely nothing to hang your head on if you're CJ Stroud, if you're D'Amico Ryans, for the entire organization. I mean, it's only up from there. Now, there may be, they may run into some issues with those expectations moving forward. Because now the expectation for CJ Stroud, for D'Amico Ryans, for that entire organization in the coming years is like, well, okay, next season, everyone picking the division winners, it's going to be the Texans. They're going to pick the Texans to win AFC South. That's not like a bad thing. It's just the fact that maybe the exceeding of the expectations this year may have set up for some more pressure, I guess. And I think CJ Stroud can handle it. I think Domingo Ryans can handle it. I don't think they're the type of guys that are just going to crumble under expectations like the Jacksonville Jaguars did this year with Trevor Lawrence, with all the other guys they had at their disposal. Stroud is too good. It's too dependable. If he can stay healthy and on the field, knock on wood. I see the Texans coming right back next year, going 10 and seven, potentially better winning that division and finding themselves in the playoffs again, but it's going to take a little bit more. I don't know. Experience postseason experience, right? The Houston Texans. I mean, they come out of this with a playoff victory, which is awesome. They played a home playoff game. They got a victory. You just ran into a juggernaut. The Baltimore Ravens are an absolute juggernaut. Lamar Jackson is. <laughs> He's unstoppable. I mean, he's he's playing at the highest of high levels, and it's no disrespect to the Texans. It's just what it was and what it is. They did hang tough for a half, uh, but now they know next year when they come across a team like the Ravens, they're going to have to prepare their scheme offensively a lot different. Relying too much on C.J. Stroud to sit back in the pocket and try to make throws and make plays. In the meantime, he's got three to four dudes in his face every time he drops back. So let's... Change up the scheme a little bit. Ravens, on the other hand, keep doing what you're doing. But the Ravens beat the Texans, take them down 34-10, hosting the AFC Championship next week. Love that for Lamar. Love that for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback, deserves to have success in the NFL. I like the way he plays the game. I like the way John Harbaugh coaches the game. I like the way the Ravens play defense. I like that organization. It's a good team. Deserves success. Lamar has worked his tail off. And now he's got to play Mahomes next week. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the other game on Saturday, 49ers, Packers. 49ers just sneak past the Packers 24-21. At home. Similar situation to the Ravens and Texans. First half. Going into the locker room at halftime, it's 7-6 to six 49ers. 7-6. to six. They give up 108 rushing yards. 
to Aaron Jones. Jordan Love playing pretty proficient football at the quarterback position against the 49ers. Now, they're not giving up massive chunk plays. They're not giving up a ton of points. But for the 49ers, it was kind of a the story of that offensive scheme against the Green Bay Packers. 49ers couldn't move the ball. Didn't look great on offense. Packers moved the ball enough to put home two field goals in the first half. And if you're the Green Bay Packers going into the half, seven and six, seven to six, I should say, you're fired up. You're fired up. Then at one point, they're leading. They're up. They're up 21 to 14 in the third quarter. 21 to 14. 49ers come back, bow their necks a little bit defensively in the fourth quarter. They don't give up any points in the fourth. The 49ers score a touchdown and a field goal. But Jordan Love got the ball back with about a minute, just over a minute, maybe a minute and a half or so in the fourth quarter, down by three with a couple of timeouts. And ran into an inexperienced type situation, kind of got that Brett Favre syndrome that we'll talk about a little bit with Josh Allen, that hero ball that sometimes these younger, maybe more inexperienced, just kind of jumpy quarterbacks tend to slide into. And Jordan Love just forced a horrendous throw down the field on first down. Packers picked it off. I mean, uh, 49ers picked it off. Packers are going to lose. It is what it is. Packers played a great game. Texans and Packers, same exact situation moving forward going into next season. Two teams, younger, inexperienced, really young quarterbacks, solid head coaching, but again, kind of younger, a little bit more inexperienced. I know Matt LaFleur is older than D'Amico Ryans, has more experience. Ultimately, the Packers were the youngest team by average age to make the postseason. Jordan Love, obviously young and inexperienced, but he is a guy. He is their guy. He's going to end up being one of the big boys at the quarterback position in the NFL for years to come. Same exact thing with C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. Nothing to hang your hat on, nothing to be upset about. Ultimately, the Packers overperformed and then got into the postseason and the inexperience and the lack of composure in the face of adversity leads them to a point where it turns into a one-score game and they don't come out on top. It is what it is. It's not the end of the world for the Packers. And I saw a lot of people on social media, some Packers fans, constituents and inside the Green Bay Packer realm talking about how the Packers, you know, were playing with house money to begin with. And I totally agree with that. Now, of course, your goal every single year is to win the Super Bowl. And I understand that. But for the Packers, I mean, how do you expect to win the Super Bowl? I mean, you just put the 49ers up against them on paper. 49ers were favored by nine points. I know they only won by three, but when you get into a one score field goal deciding tight defensive matchup in the late parts of the fourth quarter, that type of game is always going to favor the 49ers. Packers are inexperienced, a little bit younger. You know, you can blame it on Jordan Love forcing that interception at the end of the game, but he played pretty well. And also the 49ers 
were able to score 10 points in the fourth quarter. If you're the Packers, you don't give up 10 points on defense. You're looking at either a tie game or you're ahead. But that's the 49ers. That's the poise under pressure. I know Purdy's a younger guy too, but we've talked about it all year. Everyone's talked about it all year about the 49ers and the weapons at their disposal. I mean, for Purdy, it's like, dude, who do you throw it to at the end of the game? You're down, uh, you're down seven. You need to go score a couple times to give your team the lead. And at your disposal, you got Ayuk. E- even though they they lost uh, Debo Samuel in the second quarter of that game, doesn't matter. Kittle, Ayuk, Ray Ray McLeod, McCaffrey, obviously, so many different guys at their disposal that they just utilize the weapons, get prepared, take. Clean, safe, effective throws, good offensive play calling. 49ers, when they were down in the fourth quarter, needed a touchdown to take the lead inside the, the I guess it was the five-yard line or so. You think, gosh, we've got to throw it, force the ball down the field. Do, they just hand it off to McCaffrey, runs up the middle. Touchdown. You know, it's just kind of a little bit of an inexperienced 49ers asserting their dominance, a little bit of bully ball. Uh, but I thought the 49ers didn't, impress anybody and that's not the end of the world but it was what it was Jordan Love didn't get sacked in that game a little bit concerning if you're the San Francisco 49ers. It's a little bit concerning. Because you're coming up against a team next week here in the Detroit Lions, where if Jared Goff, as a quarterback, has a clean pocket and isn't getting taken down, one of the most effective and efficient quarterbacks in the National Football League. Just a fact. So you're going to have to get after the quarterback a lot better in the coming games if you want to find yourself in and winning the Super Bowl. I mean, team stats-wise, Packers had more first downs than the 49ers. Packers had the ball longer than the 49ers. Had the same amount of total yards. This game ultimately came down to the turnover battle. Two turnovers for Green Bay. San Francisco takes care of the football. Doesn't turn it over. That's your ball game right there. It's not a recipe that I would try to bank on if I was any team in the NFL. Now, the 49ers are obviously loaded and have the weapons to get themselves back into a game offensively at any point. But I'm not going to try to be banking on turnovers against the Detroit Lions in the the NFC Championship or in the Super Bowl if they want to get there. Can't just try to force turnovers. And in the meantime, teams just gashing you down the field. One of those turnovers from the Packers was that really ugly interception from Jordan Love. But the Packers played really well. Played really well. So there's nothing to hang your hat on if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. I understand it's disappointing because you had that game right in front of you. You had the chance to take down the 49ers. Either way, you're going on the road. You got a young quarterback. But they played well. They had nothing to lose. Jordan Love, a little bit flustered there at the end. 
it is what it is. That's what it boils down to. No disrespect. Packers got a really bright future. You got two young teams in the NFL postseason with young, controllable quarterbacks, younger head coaches. I mean, LaFleur is a little bit more seasoned than D'Amico Ryan's. But two teams and two situations where it makes you feel really good about the future of the NFL, makes you feel really good about the potential for some of these young quarterbacks and these younger teams to get themselves back into relevancy. I like where these teams sit. I like where the Texans are going to be next year. And I like where the Packers are going to be next year because now the expectations are a lot higher and in a good way because you saw some flashes of greatness from Jordan Love and flashes of greatness from CJ Stroud. But ultimately, the 49ers basically out experience and outmatch the Packers and come away with a 24-21 win and are now going to be hosting the NFC Championship next week. So both of the one seeds get by after having a week off and get into the conference championship game. 49ers, one seed hosting with a chance to go to the Super Bowl again. Again, crazy. Next game on the docket. First game of Sunday. NFC divisional matchup. Lions hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You want to get down to it. Very similar story. Very similar story to most of the other games that you're going to come across in the NFL. Postseason comes down. It comes down to simple factors. Lions host the Bucks. Lions get home field advantage. That's huge. And it's really a summary of a lot of the NFL postseason. If you get home field advantage, you've got a good shot. If you win the turnover battle, you've got a good shot. Tampa Bay had more total yards than the Detroit Lions did. Tampa Bay had 408 yards. Detroit had 391. What's the difference? Tampa Bay had two turnovers. Detroit had zero. Take care of the football. Do not fumble it. Do not force balls into bad coverage, into bad situations, bad throws. As much as I love Baker Mayfield and the competitor that he is, because he is a competitor. He competes his tail off every single week. The difference is he turns the ball over when he doesn't need to. He forces throws when he doesn't need to. The first interception, you know what? Tip job can't be tipping balls up if you're a receiver, right? Threw one over the middle. I think it was Mike Evans tipped it up behind him into a flurry of Detroit Lions defenders. One of them's going to catch that thing with ease and take it back a little bit. So that interception, you know what? And I get it. A lot of times interceptions in general doesn't tell the full story, just the number and the stat. Oh, you had two picks. Okay. What kind of throws were they? How did they get picked? Were they on the quarterback? You know, I get it. That first pick wasn't on Baker. Let's just say that wasn't on Baker Mayfield. The second one at the end of the game to seal the victory for the Detroit Lions. That's on Baker Mayfield. You watch the play develop. You watch the scheme. He's got Kate Otten coming across the middle at the tight end position. Right underneath that, he's got Chris Godwin. 
Both guys are running sort of a drag uh, crossing route ins, if you will. So route scheme designed where one guy is going to be open. One guy might not be open. Maybe they're both covered pretty tightly, in which case you got to take care of the football. You cannot throw under throw a crossing route and let a linebacker undercutting the route intercept the ball. Just cannot happen in that situation. I love Baker. I love the competitor that he is. I love how fiery he gets. I think he's a good leader. He's a guy that's easy to follow. But he's a guy who falls into the hero ball category. That's the difference. And we'll talk about that with this next and final game. But that's the difference between good quarterbacks who have good skills, who knows what it takes to win in the NFL, efficient, throwing the ball down the field, can win games in the NFL, and the quarterbacks that are all those things, plus they win consistently. That's the difference. Baker Mayfield has all the skills, has the tool sets, has the ability to put up 350 yards and three passing touchdowns, has the ability, he can win games in the NFL, has proven that he can win at a relatively consistent rate and even win a playoff game or two. But when push comes to shove and you come down to the nitty gritty of the NFL postseason, the guys that take care of the ball, the guys that take the smart, controllable throws over the middle, yards when they can get them, those are the guys that ultimately come out on top. If you take picks out of the equation, who played better? Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff? Baker Mayfield, 349 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Jared Goff, 287 passing yards, two touchdowns. Who played better? Well, statistically, Baker Mayfield, nope, two picks. Two picks. One untimely, ungodly, horrendously underthrown, game-losing interception. That's the difference in quarterbacks that are going to win consistently at a high level, deep into the postseason, and guys that can win, will win on occasion, will find themselves potentially into the postseason, winning a game or two, but not climbing the mountaintop, not getting into the conference championship game, not winning the conference championship conference championship game, and not winning the Super Bowl. That's a fact. That is what it is. I'm not trying to dig Baker Mayfield's grave. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. In fact, he's playing. He was playing this season for the Bucs at quarterback on a one-year contract, and it's he'll undoubtedly get another look next season in the NFL, whether that's with Tampa Bay, yet to be seen. He came into Tampa Bay basically as a motivating factor for Kyle Trask, the quarterback that the Bucs drafted out of Florida. And they wanted Trask to get a little competition. Turns out Baker Mayfield won that competition and won the NFC South. Won nine games, won a playoff game. So Baker Mayfield, I mean, pretty much solidified himself as a, as uh, he's going to have a job in the NFL next season. I hope it's not in a backup position. I would imagine it's not. You know, you go through that NFC South by itself. 
maybe you give Trask the nod over Baker Mayfield next year, just in terms of financial compensation. You know, Trask on a rookie contract, Baker's going to want now, you know, 15 million a year. Okay. Maybe the Bucs don't re-sign him. Uh, if I'm in Atlanta, I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than my current options. Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke. Yeah, no, I'll take Baker. I know the Saints aren't going to move on from Derek Carr, can't move on from him because of the contract situation. I'm just talking strictly which guy I'd rather have, Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr. Yeah, I'm going to take Baker. And then obviously Carolina's got Bryce Young. That's a situation they're going to have to stick with that guy. You get the point. But you can go across a lot of the teams in the NFL. Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill or Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I'll take Baker. Houston? Or, I mean, uh, not Houston, not C.J. Shroud. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, or Baker Mayfield. I'm going to take Baker. So there's a lot of teams, a lot of situations where he could kind of go in there, attempt to establish his dominance. You know, maybe he goes to the Giants, waits till Daniel Jones can come back and play healthy. They, can, they, they, they give him a look. And we'll see where we go from there. But a lot of teams could use Baker Mayfield in some degree, and they should. He's bought himself another couple of years in the NFL as a starter. He deserves it. He's a good quarterback. He's just a little bit. He's got a, a, he's got a little bit of the hero syndrome. And that's not the end of the world because he's trying to compete. He's trying to go out there and make plays. But a lot of times as much upside that can come out of the hero syndrome. The downside is also there and also detrimental to a team's success. Detrimental. And can ultimately lose you games at any point in the NFL, but especially in the postseason. Because you got to take care of the ball in the postseason if you want to win multiple games, find yourself into the conference championship and the Super Bowl. You have to take care of the ball. I would imagine moving forward, we look well. We can look at it right now. How many turnovers does Brock Purdy have? And he's in the cup. I know he only played one game, but zero. How many turnovers does Jared Goff have? One, zero, not many. Mahomes, I can tell you for sure, didn't doesn't have any. And Baltimore, they take care of the ball better than anybody. That's going to win you games. But good for Baker. He played well this year. He deserves a job in the NFL. I hope he gets one. But also good for the Detroit Lions. 31-23, they take down the Bucks. The Detroit Lions have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Will they go to the Super Bowl? No, they will not go to the Super Bowl because the 2024 Super Bowl logo is purple and red. So it is going to be now. If it was the Bucks, Bucks had a chance. Bucks didn't win. Now they Detroit Lions play the 49ers. 49ers are the red team. They're going to the Super Bowl of the NFC. That's just what it is. <laughs> I kid. I kid, but Lions are going to the NFC Championship. Good for Detroit. A lot to build on, even if they don't end up winning next week, because they got a lot of a lot of stars, a lot of talent. Laporta, Amon Ra, Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, 
Josh Reynolds. They got some guys, man. Like, they got some, kind of like some dudes. Jamison Williams? That guy's going to be a deep threat for a long time in the NFL. Guy flies, man. They got some dudes. Good for them. Good for the Lions going to the NFC Championship. Good for the Bucks. Overachieved. Baker, give me a job in the NFL next year. Lions, take care of the football. Last game, man. The last game. The last game of divisional round. We all saw it. Uh, it's a killer, man. It's a killer. Final game, AFC Divisional Round. Chiefs, Bills. Chiefs beat the Bills. 27 to 24. Bills get the ball with about six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. They're down by three. They take the ball down the field. Josh Allen fumbles on a, on a quarterback run on third down it's recovered by buffalo they go forward on fourth they convert next series of downs they take a couple of short controllable throws they get another first down After they get that first down, they go run up the middle. 30-yard bomb down the field into the end zone, incomplete. And another Josh Allen attempted throw at the end zone as a scramble to the right. Pretty much a throwaway. And leads up to a Tyler Bass 44-yard field goal attempt where he misses it with a minute 47 left giving the ball back to the Kansas City Chiefs who have a three-point lead, and they ultimately execute a couple of run plays, get a first down, and effectively end the game. They do end the game. This loss for the Bills entirely summarizes why the Buffalo Bills always always come up short when it comes down to crunch time. This loss defines that. And everybody's prepared 
to throw Tyler Bass, the kicker, into the fire as the scapegoat, missing a 44-yard field goal that would have effectively tied the game. And that's understandable because he's a kicker. That's his job. He gets paid to kick field goals. Understand. Probably should have made that 44-yarder. But if you blame Tyler Bass, or you boil it all the way down just to that one missed field goal, then you don't understand the entire spectrum of the game. It's a prime example. It's a prime example. See, microcosm of why the Bills always fall short. The Chiefs and the Bills were playing two completely different football games. The Chiefs were playing controlled, well-executed, well-coached, disciplined, prepared football, attacking, aggressive, trying their best, playing to win. The Chiefs were playing to win. The Bills were trying not to lose. They were playing an inexperienced brand of football. Making potentially some uncharacteristic mistakes. But low percentage plays, low percentage of execution on those plays. Forcing themselves into a situation where they have to rely on their kicker to kick a 44-yard field goal in high wind conditions. Everyone wants to blame Tyler Bass. Everyone even wants to blame Stefan Diggs for dropping what would have been a massive chunk play to start that last drive for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen makes an incredible rainbow throw and 65-yard throw down the field. Puts it right where it needs to be. Goes through the hands of Stefan Diggs to a degree. Definitely a very, very catchable ball. But as that game goes on, it became so obvious. As devastating as the loss is, right? Because this... Loss for the Bills is just yet another gut punch. But it's going to have to come down to a time for the Buffalo Bills as an organization where they stop playing to try not to lose and they go out and play to win. Because the Chiefs were playing to win. The Chiefs were playing under control. The Chiefs were executing a game plan. They were taking the safe throws. They would take the shots when they need to take the shots. When the shots were there, and otherwise, safe, effective, running the ball up the middle with their running back, taking what's given to them, executing a game plan, taking care of the football, and playing to win the football game. The Buffalo Bills were trying not to lose. The Buffalo Bills were forcing everything. And everybody wants to throw Tyler Bass into the fire. Everyone wants to blame Stefan Diggs who dropped the ball. How about a fake punt on your own 25-yard line? Fourth and five. 
terrible play design, terrible idea, terrible call. And if Nicole Hardman doesn't fumble the ball for the Chiefs through the end zone for a touchback, we're not even in a position where we have to blame Tyler Bass or Stephon Diggs. Because the Bills faked a punt. What are we talking about? What are we trying to force? Why are we playing a game outside of the game? Why are we trying to do so much, way too much? Do you think ever in a million, billion, trillion years, a team or a coach like Bill Belichick, like Andy Reid, like some of the greats of all time, would have ever tried a fake punt inside their own 30-yard line, down by three, in the fourth quarter? No, absolutely not. That's the answer. No, the answer is no. The Bills are just, just pressing so hard trying so much, just taking shot after shot after shot. Josh Allen just running his tail off, chicken with the head cut off, fumbling in the fourth quarter. Why do you think the Patriots were so good for so long? Why do you think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time? You want to watch some of Tom Brady's game-winning drives, two-minute drills, needs to move the ball down the field, get his kicker into a comfortable, as comfortable as possible situation, or score a touchdown? You want to watch some of the throws? They are super high percentage. You want to see the times that the New England Patriots or some of the other dominant, established NFL teams go for a fake punt? Super high percentage. The Bills were playing not to lose. The Chiefs were playing to win. It's that simple. Chiefs were playing high percentage, effective, safe, executionary football. The Bills were playing hero ball. Josh Allen is the definition of hero ball. There's some other guys in the league that you can talk about that look like they try to play a little bit of hero ball. The most prominent name that everybody thinks of in terms of trying to do too much, a lot of times forcing himself into a weird situation, taking shots when he doesn't need to. Brett Favre. Josh Allen's a great quarterback but he's got a ton of Brett Favre in him. Gunslinger, big arm, huge talent, great quarterback in the NFL. But there's some guys that have that hero ball mentality that has a high upside, but ultimately leads to their demise when push comes to shove. You can blame Stefan Diggs. Yeah, you know what? Catchable ball there in the fourth quarter for the Bills. Tyler Bass, you're a professional kicker. You get paid to make those kicks. Go ahead and bang that one through. All that can be true. You know what else can be true? Josh Allen had two, two middle-of-the-field drag route crossing throws on that final drive before Tyler Bass kicks the field goal on second and third down where he had five easy yards right in front of him. On the second down throw where he launches the ball into the end zone, he's got Stefan Diggs wide open. 
It's a play design like that for a reason. They draw it up so that the two guys on the outside come across the middle, take the safeties up, potentially pull the linebackers back into coverage a little bit further while you got guys dragging across the middle. If it's not there, throw it across the middle. You got a drag route. You got Stefan Diggs. Now you got to force linebackers on the defense to make open field tackles against an incredible athlete like Stefan Diggs. Even if he gets tackled right when he catches the ball, it's five extra yards. Makes it from a 44-yarder to a 39-yarder. Now it's third down. Got another drag right across the middle. You got a tight end settling right into the soft zone. He catches that another three to five yards. Watch any drive Tom Brady has had in the fourth quarter, the two-minute drill, going down the field. Need some yards. Need some first downs. Need to get into at least a manageable field goal range or score a touchdown. It's drag routes across the middle. It's Rob Gronkowski in one-on-one coverage. Obviously a mismatch. Going to give yourself a high percentage chance for Gronk to go up and make a play. And even if he doesn't make a play, even if you throw that ball up, it's going to be on first and second down. Going to give yourself a chance to get some yards. Or it's on second and one after they got nine yards on first. It's a type of smart, high percentage, low risk plays that is going to guarantee you or at least give you a really good chance to get some yards and move the ball down the field. And what's so mind-blowing to me, what blows my head about that last drive for the Buffalo Bills is that they were taking the smart, effective, short yardage, zone hitch throws for guaranteed yards all the way down the field. They ended up going to fourth down to force the field goal. And on that second and third down, before that, Josh Allen is launching the ball down the field and refusing to take the guaranteed short yardage throws that are right over the middle, right in front of his face. But on the set of downs before that, their execution to get the first down was two short yardage zone hitch, sit in the middle of that soft spot and get the guaranteed yards. Back-to-back plays to get a first down. Just keep doing that. Because if you don't get a first down, so be it. At least you make the field goal more manageable for a guy like Tyler Bass, who is coming off a horrible week last week. Mentally, there's almost no chance he's making a 40-plus yard field goal. By the way, the wind is blowing 15 miles an hour plus. The thought process for the Bills and for Josh Allen specifically on that drive and in that situation, once you get the ball past the 50-yard line, the last possible scenario you should want to have happen is to not have not move the ball any further and give your field goal kicker a longer and longer field goal. 54-yard field goal, almost impossible in those conditions to begin with, but that is the baseline lowest worst-case scenario. Next step up is let's make it a little bit shorter. If we can't get a first down, then we can't get a first down, but now at least it's a 48-yarder, 49-yarder. Okay, we got another first down. Same thought process. We need to get more yards. The goal should be to gain short yardage first downs. The goal should not, cannot, has not, will not ever be touchdown. The fact that there's even guys running routes in that situation in the end zone, 25, 30 yards away from it, hard to imagine. But even when you got one or two guys, those are your 
third read gotta be there wide open type throws that you can take if you know it's going to be a completion then you can take the touchdown in that situation but if you're buffalo you have to prioritize short yardage picking up the guaranteed throws picking up the guaranteed yards high percentage move the ball also run some clock because let's just say hypothetically on that second and 10 for the Buffalo Bills or the second and nine, let's just say hypothetically second and nine, Josh Allen drops back. He's getting his left guard or left tackle pushed into him and he launches the ball down the field into the end zone for Khalil Shakir. Let's say he makes a diving catch and it's a touchdown. Let's just say what a throw. Oh my gosh, Josh Allen. I can't believe it. Then what? There's a minute and 40 seconds left for Patrick Mahomes. Two timeouts. Then what? But then what do you do? Like, stop launching the ball down the field. If you're Buffalo, if you're Josh Allen, next season, there has to be an emphasis given out to Josh Allen. The message needs to be drilled into his head. Stop trying to play hero ball. You are an effective runner of the ball. No question about it. You are an extremely talented quarterback with a big arm. You're accurate when you need to be. And your ceiling, Josh, at the quarterback position is as high as anybody in, that, in the NFL. Your skill set is better than Tom Brady's skill set. Unquestioned. And yet, Tom Brady is a better quarterback than you. Why is that the case, Josh? Why? Why? Because Tom Brady is playing quarterback. He's throwing the ball into zone coverage, into short, controllable, high percentage throws, picking up yards where the defense is giving it to him. He's not playing hero ball. He's not trying to take the big monster deep shot four, five, six times a drive. And it just comes down to inexperience trying to play hero ball. That's honestly what this game came down to, in my opinion. I think from a skill set perspective, from a pure athleticism skill set perspective, I think Josh Allen has better and higher ceiling of skills than Patrick Mahomes. So why does Patrick Mahomes always beat Josh Allen? Patrick Mahomes is smart, takes the smart throws, takes the shots down the field in the middle to late parts of the game when he knows their high percentage on early downs on second and short. They run complicated route schemes that gets Travis Kelsey open. How about one of the touchdowns that Travis Kelsey ended up catching in this game. It was a tight end screen. You want to talk about high percentage, guarantee, yardage picker up type play? Tight end screen to one of the best tight ends in the NFL. In a gotta have it, goal to go, short yardage situation where they need a touchdown. What does Buffalo do? Or Josh Allen more specifically in a very similar type of scenario? Shots down the field, just launching the ball down the field. Low percentage, can't convert, not executed properly. 
while he's got two guys dragging across the field wide open that are going to guarantee him five, six, seven, who knows how many more yards. That's the difference between a team, a coach, a quarterback like Kansas City's got versus a team, coach, and quarterback like Buffalo's got. One team, Kansas City and Buffalo. Kansas City was playing to win the football game. Buffalo is playing to not lose the game. One team's got a coach and a quarterback that are experienced. They're going to take high percentage, low risk plays, guaranteed yardage type throws in high leverage situations. And one team's got an inexperienced coach, inexperienced play caller, and a quarterback who's trying to play hero ball when push comes to shove in crunch time. Josh Allen's just trying to be the hero way too often, way too many times. The only time it's worked for him, the only situation is that one playoff game against Kansas City where Kansas City's defensive secondary was depleted and just completely lost for the entire fourth quarter. And Josh Allen's able to take the ball down the field twice in the last three minutes of the game, just launching balls down the field over and over and over again. With the weapons at his disposal of Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, two guys that can take the top off the defense, Gabe Davis wasn't at their disposal, wasn't out there for Buffalo. And he ends up taking shots to Khalil Shakir. It's crazy. And I'm not going to say I feel bad for Josh Allen because I don't. I don't feel bad for him. But until Josh Allen can realize he doesn't need to be Superman and he can dial it back just a little bit, take more high percentage, short, controllable, easy yardage type plays before. I just am speechless, man. It just sucks. It sucks for Josh Allen. It sucks for Josh Allen because he is such a freak. He is a physical specimen. His tools are as good as anybody that's ever played the position at quarterback. But until he can realize he does not need to be literally Superman and he can take some short yardage, more controllable, high percentage, early down throws, he doesn't need to run the ball 15 times a game. He doesn't need to lower his shoulder every time he runs the ball. He doesn't need to be Superman to be a good, effective, winning quarterback. Because Patrick Mahomes is right there up with Josh Allen in terms of physical skill set. But Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, who's got more sustained success? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, because he takes smarter, more effective, higher percentage type throws in situations when he needs to convert, in situations when they need it, and they run a wide receiver screen with their tight end for a touchdown in the red zone and a high percentage, high level conversion type throw and play call, and it gives the Chiefs a touchdown. And it comes down to crunch time. The Bills need to pick up yards for a multitude of reasons. Number one, you got to keep the clock moving. You don't want to give the ball back to Kansas City if you do end up scoring in some capacity, field goal or better. 
Number two, you need first downs. That's just the nature of football. Number three, you got to give your field goal kicker a better chance to make a field goal in those conditions and in that circumstance. And if Josh Allen wasn't playing hero ball and wasn't trying to be Superman, he would have taken the short, high percentage drag routes that were right in front of his face on second and third down to give at least their field goal kicker a better chance, shorter yardage, or potentially pick up first downs. Then you keep moving the ball down the field. Then you get the ball even closer. Then you get the ball even closer. Then maybe you can try to score a touchdown under a minute and make it really tough for Kansas City to go down and score a touchdown. And they're going to have to, being down by four. Going to make it real tough on them. But instead, Josh Allen goes monster ball on second down, ignores the crossing route, soft zone, tight end, right in front of his face on third down, rolls out, launches a ball into the end zone. Now we're fourth down, and we got a 44-yard field goal in 20-mile-an-hour wins for a kicker who just missed two field goals last week. I'm not saying Josh Allen's a bad quarterback. I'm not saying he's washed. I'm not saying he's the worst player of all time. I'm saying somebody has to convey the message to Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills organization going into next season and for the rest of his career that he cannot, should not, he he shouldn't be trying to play hero ball. And by the way, playing that style of play, playing that type of hero ball that Josh Allen plays at the quarterback position at six foot six, not only is it not a recipe for success, I don't think it's sustainable. He can't keep taking licks every time he runs the football. Slide, dude. Just slide. Take the short yardage throws when they're there. That's why they draw the plays up like they do. You got a deep post going across the middle with Khalil Shakir. Unless he is wide open, blown coverage, nobody around him, and you've got some time and space in the pocket to step into that throw and get that ball to him, that's your last choice. That's your last read. But for Josh Allen, that's his first read. Stare it down, wait for it to potentially get open, and then rip it down the field. Meanwhile, he's got two guys running drag routes right in front of his face with a guaranteed four to seven yard gain or more. I can understand, man. I understand it's frustrating for Bills fans. I get it. I get it. You don't find talent like Josh Allen very often in the NFL. You just don't. And as much as you want to sit him down in a chair and say, Josh, you can't take shots like that at the end of the game. You can't, you, you can't be playing hero ball when we need yards. As much as you want to say that to him, it's hard. I understand it's hard because 
the ceiling for Josh Allen when he does play hero ball and it ends up working out is the most unbelievable plays you'll see on a football field. It's crazy the way he can end up executing in a lot of ways. And maybe there was some communication going on between the offensive coordinator, head coach, and Josh Allen in the headset during that final drive. And I could be wrong because I don't know what was going on in those headsets. But what I really hope was communicated against the Chiefs in that final drive and will be communicated moving forward in the headset all the way up to 15 seconds on the play clock. Josh, here's the play. He reads it off. He's getting it fed into his earpiece. And they're allowed to do this. Here's the play, Josh. Deep post. If it's not there, you got drags right in front of your... And then they can cut off the, the communication. Or just something simple. Call out the play. Josh, drag routes. Look for them. We need yard. Look something. Cut it off, right? Because it cuts off at 15 seconds. But at the same time, you would hope that you don't have to say those types of things to an NFL quarterback like Josh Allen. Because he needs to know you can't just not get any more yards in those situations. The bottom line is, Bottom line. Football is a team game. Team sport. Everyone's to blame when it comes down to it. Josh, uh, <clears throat> Josh Allen playing quarterback. Going to get spotlight on him. Kicker's going to get a lot of spotlights on him, especially when it comes down to a kick at the end of the game. For those teams like the Buffalo Bills that are always seemingly right there and they fall short, it's going to take Somebody within that team, organization, play calling perspective, coach, offensive coordinator, or Josh Allen himself to come to the realization in a high leverage situation that we have to start leaning towards high percentage, low risk, guaranteed yardage type of plays to get ourselves into a better position so that we can win when it matters the most. The bottom line is, the Bills losing to the Chiefs yet again can fall on so many different people. Everybody wants to blame the kicker. 
everyone wants to blame Stefan Diggs for dropping a pass that was very catchable that would have resulted in a big gain for the Bills in the fourth quarter. But the reason the Bills lost, the primary reason, in my opinion, Josh Allen once again trying to play hero ball. That is a fact. And if they don't recover the fumble that Josh Allen had in the fourth quarter on that final possession, we're not talking about any of the other guys involved in this. Maybe Stefan Diggs, because it was before the fumble. But Josh Allen. Taking off again at the quarterback position, trying to play hero ball, refusing to just go down and take the yards that he's already gotten and getting stripped and fumbling the ball should have been recovered by Kansas City. Bunch of dudes on the Kansas City defense had their hands on that thing. And then the Buffalo Bills fall on it. And then after that, they take high percentage, low leverage, because it was third down, Josh Allen fumbles, the Bills miraculously fall on it, and then after that, on fourth down, fourth and short-ish, they take a high percentage, high conversion rate, low-risk type of play to pick up the yards necessary to get a first down. Then on that set of downs, on second and third down, same story. Zone hitch plays, guys that are open, sitting in the soft spots, high percentage, boom, boom. Yards needed, yards needed, first down. First and 10, run up the middle for a yard. Kind of hate that, but it is what it is. Then after that, it's just like abandons everything. Josh Allen, hero ball, and game over. Because you're relying on your quarterback, or I mean, uh, you're relying on your, you end up relying on your kicker to make a 44-yard field goal and 20-mile-an-hour wins. That's the difference between great quarterbacks and championship quarterbacks. Josh Allen's a great quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a championship quarterback. If roles were reversed, if it was the exact opposite situation, and Kansas City had a 44-yard field goal in their back pocket in that type of conditions, in those wins, I guarantee you the Chiefs, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes would have executed a game plan that was high percentage, low risk, guaranteed yards type of plays. To take it from second and nine to third and four to first down. That's the difference between great quarterbacks and championship quarterbacks. Great teams and championship teams. Great coaches, Sean McDermott, and championship coaches, Andy Reid. That's the difference. And until Josh Allen can get the message conveyed to him that he doesn't and he can't play hero ball every chance he gets, the Bills are never going to get over the hump. Never. So you feel bad for Josh Allen. You feel bad for the Buffalo Bills because you know they had the team. You know they had the fan base. You know they had the support. They've got the quarterback. When push comes to shove, man, and it gets down to crunch time, you're never going to come out on top when you got that type of approach in that football game. It's no disrespect. Josh Allen's an un unbelievable quarterback. Mahomes is better. Chiefs are smarter. Chiefs are better. 
is what it is. It's going to do it, guys. Episode 81. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Went off on Josh Allen there at the end a little bit, but it was a really exciting divisional round. Next weekend, it's going to be even better. One seeds versus two seeds. That's what it is. 49ers hosting Detroit Lions. Ravens hosting the Chiefs. Should be good. Should be fun. I'm excited for it. If the NFL Super Bowl logo graphic conspiracy theory is true, we should walk out of next weekend with the Super Bowl matchup of the Ravens and 49ers. We'll see what happens. I think those are the two better teams in this matchup. Uh, going into conference championship weekend, definitely the two better teams. We'll see. 49ers didn't play great against the uh, against the Packers. But the Lions secondary may become pretty problematic. If Debo Samuel is available for the 49ers, I mean, they got over-the-top options with Ayuk, Samuel, McLeod, Kittle. It might get ugly. But I guess we'll see, right? Got to go play the game. Still got to go play the game. For the Chiefs and, and Ravens, I mean, Ravens at home, if Lamar Jackson does anything close to what he did against the Texans from an efficiency standpoint, it's it should be the Ravens. So we'll see. See what happens. I'm excited for it. It should be a fun weekend. Hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 81 of the We Know Ball podcast. At Ryan Knows Ball is my handle on Twitter. At We Know Ball Sports. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, We Know Ball Sports. Check us out on there. Excited to uh, get into this conference championship and end up with the Super Bowl matchup potentially next time we chat. So hopefully you guys enjoyed 81. We Know Ball Sports podcast show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. At Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter. I know I said that, but be sure to go check me out on there. Give out some gambling picks, too, by the way. So don't sleep on that. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Yeah.